Hello, everybody. Welcome back to a fresh new episode of Life After Paralysis. It's been two months, and today we are joined by Bianca. She is from New York, and she is doing so much since her injury. I saw her on Instagram, and I was like, okay, she's a lawyer, but no, she's doing so much more than that. So um, I had to have her on. So hello, Bianca. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm just fine. I'm just fine. You know, I always love meeting people from across the country with paralysis. And I haven't talked to a lot of people from New York. And I always thought it'd be really cool to go back there with my with my, in a wheelchair. I know New York City is getting better with accessibility. So what's it like living out, out in New York as a wheelchair user? I guess it's all you really know, but uh it is interesting to say the least um and new york has a lot of catching up to do when it comes to accessibility a lot of establishments still have not adhered to certain ada compliant uh situations but um overall it's the city that never sleeps you know um there are accessible options for the most part so that helps a lot but yeah um, that's cool are you born and raised from that part of the country then i am born and raised i was (laughs) currently in Queens, New York. Oh, cool. 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 That's so cool. Oh my gosh. Okay. So like, I wanted to just kind of start out with just kind of talking about how your injury occurred. We always talk about that. I know you're like in your early thirties, right? I think you just turned 30 not too long ago. (laughs) That's pretty exciting. I think that's great. I I wish I was about 30 again. It's a good age to be. Yeah. You're doing so much. I'm so, this is so cool. Okay. So I, your injury, how long ago did it occur now? Was it like, I forget, like I was reading. Five years. Well, it'll be, yes, five years in July. It was July. Um, Gosh. Does it seem like it went by pretty quickly or does it seem? Extremely quickly. I still can't believe it sometimes when I think about I've been in a wheelchair for five years. Yeah. It's kind of uh, weird sometimes the whole acquiring a disability and that weird transition in your mind. I know. Like, um, so let's kind of go from the beginning. How were you injured and how did that happen? And, you know, what was that circumstance like? Yeah, so I was involved. I was in a um, Christian motorcycle club called um, Mighty Men of Valor slash Women of Destiny. So every year we like to just take an annual ride up to the beach on July 4th. Um, so we left around maybe 5 a.m., got up there and we watched the sunrise and we just, you know, communed with one another, fellowships. And then we were home as we were headed home we were coming around a curve in long island on one of the parkways and the arm of a drawbridge actually came down in front of us there was three riding i was the second person to hit and i was ejected from my bike um i landed on the bridge and as a result of that i sustained a t4 t6 spinal fracture um broken ribs two lung punctures space lacerations my helmet flew off it just was a whole ordeal Wow. Well, it sounds like you were lucky to survive that injury. Sure. Sure. I mean, that sounds, were you, um, when you got injured, where was it pretty, like, did you know right away you were paralyzed or was it something you woke up later and they told you? Yes. Uh, definitely was something that I recognized later on when I was in the hospital after mm-hmm. I woke up after my surgery and then the doctors were probing me and asking me different questions. And yeah, uh, I think I didn't even try to move. So I know after, you know, people go through depression and it seems like for you, you kind of worked through your injury rather quickly. And what was your mindset like, and how did you move from, you know, being in the hospital and going through rehab and, you know, cause it seems like you did go back to what you were doing before kind of quick. 
Yeah, I think my mindset at the moment, of course, uh, I didn't just initially just wake up and was like, all right, I'm going to take life by storm. But when I did wake up, I did know that there was something more for my life, that there was something more. uh, The reason that I was alive was because I had something greater to fulfill. So from that very moment, the moment I opened my eyes and I knew I had life, regardless of what activity of my limbs I lost, I knew that there was something greater. So I just... Every day I woke up with the intention that I was going to live life, you know, it's so hard to, you know, to to lose, you know, become that your ability to walk and become a disabled person. And I know your faith probably really helped you through this. And I think that for a lot of people, it's helpful for that, but, you know, and as you kind of went out into the world as a woman in a wheelchair, how did you keep your confidence up or how did you, how, what, what did you tell yourself when you went out into the world where you just like, I'm going to own this and I don't care what people think or. Um, for the most part, I just had to carry the demeanor that you have to just take me as I am. Right. Regardless if I'm walking or rolling, I'm still the same Bianca, if not more improved now because totally. I have an outlook on life. You know, I just joined a new community and there's so much more that you can learn from me. You know, I think back on the times where I was an able body and some of the things that I was so naive to that. Um, you know, walking that now I look at when I'm rolling and I'm like, wow, I used to go into the biggest stall in the bathroom immediately, you know, despite <laughs> there being 15 free stalls or, you know, the way I opened doors for certain people when I was walking, I know that it's a, a correct etiquette to um, open it up now for a wheelchair mm-hmm. user, you know, and just different things and underestimating, you know, yeah. people people still see me to this day and it's five years later and they can't believe that I'm driving you know because they've never encountered someone with a disability who can drive right I know and I get that as well and it's kind of do you see it as a form of like you're educating people now and it's a good thing to be able to do that for sure I like that too I'm like well I'll just use this injury as a way to kind of enlighten people since a lot of people have never met anyone like me as well. I know exactly what that's like. So that's cool. Um, you know, I kind of want to talk a little bit just about your, your art, your artistic kind of part of your life. I know you were, you're always been an artistic person and I know you were to dance and step all that before and you did some of it after, but when you got injured, how did you feel you could adapt these kind of artistic parts of your life? And you know, you're still doing some of these things, right? Yes, I'm actually doing all of them. So actually, I went to performing arts high school. I majored in vocal music, and I also was in music theater. Um, in in my earlier formative years, I played the clarinet. You know, yeah. I've always been a dancer my entire life. I teach liturgical dance at church. I used to teach hip, teach hip hip hop. Wow, yeah. I'm the New York State Ballroom Dancing Champion. Well, so, no way! Cool. Yeah in 2006 so all of those things encompass make up who I am so I'm once the the moment that you know I I now am a wheelchair user I couldn't just let that fall by the wayside you know so I mean of course I didn't jump right back in after my accident but I knew that there was things lying dormant in me that the accident reignited um so I wanted to take full advantage of that so I adapted in ways I I so I'm a visual person Right. Mm-hmm. And I like to convey those things through words. So if there's a move that I need to do with my feet or my legs or something like that, I'm able to convey that through words to the people that I'm meeting in order to use my arms to show certain movements or use my hand claps to, you know, convey the 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 the, the um 
the beat or tone that I want conveyed. Awesome. Awesome. In terms of my lung capacity with singing, I have to make sure that my posture is as straight as possible, you know, even though I have limited core control, you yeah. know, or take my time or have a microphone that's able to project so that I don't have to project as much wind from my body, from my diaphragm. So there's many different ways to adapt it and I just figure it out day by day. That's amazing. I love that. So, okay. And I know that teaching dance after an injury might be a little bit different for people out there that might be are thinking, you know, about the teach as a, a teacher in a wheelchair, when you're teaching able-bodied dancers, did they, how did they, you know, respond to you in that regard? Was it just fine? Or did they have questions or what did you explain your injury a little, or do you just kind of do it and just see what they said? I make sure, um, I don't always give like my whole story about the accident and things like that, but I do make sure I open up a space every teaching session with transparency. Anybody have any question? Anybody reluctant to, you know, this, you came in knowing that I'm a wheelchair user. So now I'm going to keep you knowing that I'm a good dancer in a wheelchair, you know, and that these movements can coincide with one another. It doesn't have to be separated, right? Yeah. We can be together and dance together. Um, so sometimes you get a little pushback, but for the most part, I've gotten nothing but positive feedback because I'm good at what I do. And that's what can't be, um, you know, can't be debated. So I love it. I love it. I love that you're, you're just like not letting your injury at all stop you. Some people do, you know, and you're just really great at that. I love that about you. So <laughs> let's talk a little bit, a little change here. I want to talk about your law degree. Now you received that in 2019. So that was after your injury, right? Yes. So your goal, okay. Well, you're always wanting to be a lawyer before your injury, or was that something you thought about after? Can you kind of tell us about that? So actually the accident happened when I was in my second year of law school. Oh, okay. um, well, I was in a part-time evening program, which was a four-year program, but I actually completed it in three and a half. Um, so yes, I knew I wanted to be an attorney. I was in law school already. Then the accident happened the summer of, and but I actually started back classes from my hospital bed. Um, so I didn't allow it to stop me, you know, so, and I was very grateful and fortunate that my law school was very um, open and accepting of whatever accommodations I needed. They were super supportive. The dean of this law school came to see me in the hospital and different things like that. So, you know, I had a good support system, which uh, assisted me. However, post-accident, it did open up my mind to the need in certain communities, including the disability community. So yeah. I definitely um, geared my advocacy towards that a lot more. That's awesome. I love, there's so many people with spinal cord injuries that could become lawyers and it's great because we need more people to advocate for disability rights and just represent people. I think it's so cool. I know that you're not currently working as a lawyer, but what's like, what's one of your goals long-term? Do you want to get a job as a lawyer at a firm or is, I know you're working as a professor right now, but. I actually do both. So I'm currently working for the city of New York for one of the largest unions. Um, so we represent over 150,000 municipal employees. Um, and I work in the areas of family and immigration law. So I do that and I also teach as an adjunct for a city university in New York. Um, so I love it. The legal profession is amazing. Um, you know, I'm growing in it. I'm learning more and more each day. Um, but, you know, teaching college is also one of my greatest passions and uh, yeah. I'm grateful to have the opportunity to do so. 
how did how did that come about? Because it wasn't like did you set out to be a professor after you graduated, or were you just did someone approach you with the job opportunity? Um, it was a little of both. I always said if I was going to become an educator. It- it would be at the college level. Um, and actually, I networked with one of the programs that I graduated from on my alma mater, and they offered me the position, and I took it. So I've been cool. doing that for That's cool. You know, teaching to me is always like a very intimidating kind of job because you're in front of all these kids, you know, older kids. But, you know, how is that, too? I feel like it's similar to teaching dance where you might talk a little bit about your injury and then you because that's really not the focus. It's the content of the class. But what has that been like as a teacher, too, with the students and stuff? Um, I would find so. I teach for a program that's uh, really geared towards underrepresented minority students coming from, um, uh, you know, backgrounds that aren't the most fortunate. So already coming into the classroom, we have a commonality. Everyone's going through something, right? There's some type of struggle. Your struggle may not be my struggle, but we still have our struggles, right? Um, Then once I open my mouth or open up the content and tell them what's going to happen throughout the semester or assist my co-teacher, then they automatically get into student mode because at the end of the day, your grade lies in my hands, right? <laughs> so you have to either get with it or get out for the most part. So yeah. I appreciate that level of attentiveness on the collegiate level versus maybe high school or junior high school where they might try to try you a little bit more, you know, mm-hmm. they want to challenge you for, for per se, but mm-hmm. um, you know do you ever think about how just by being you the professor like long term in these people's lives they'll always kind of think about you and how you kind of just showed them that you know you can do anything as a wheelchair user I think you know that's super cool I you know maybe I don't know I love that and I get the responses from them you know they're super excited they you know they give me different feedback like oh wow you know I really enjoyed your class and things like that you're super helpful but for the most part I don't know if they try to stay away from acknowledging <laughs> the injury until I open it up in conversation and then you'll see their you know their 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 mind start to flow but they're very appreciative and they look at me as some form of inspiration but you know it's not something I asked for but you know I know you, know, you, you probably have to do you have any kids ever say you're the first wheelchair user they knew or something like that ever or like that? Definitely the, um, so definitely interacted with, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And definitely in the um, college level of teaching. Yeah, mm-hmm. they never experienced a professor or, you know, an educator. That's I love amazing. it. I think it's really great. We need more professors who have visible disabilities, Alzheimer's disabilities, but I think it's wonderful. So okay, let's talk a little bit about your church family at St. Albans. And I know this is like a, seems like a pretty cool church out there. It's really seems. So let's how, you know, your assistant minister and how did that come about? I know your faith has been huge for you and um, being assistant minister doesn't just happen overnight, right? Yeah. yeah. So my faith is literally everything. And it's literally my middle name. My name is Bianca Faith Johnson. Beautiful. Um, yeah. I love it. But I actually, uh, preached my first sermon at 16. I was licensed at age 20. Um, and then I was ordained at age 30. I was recently ordained in November. So I'm an ordained reverend. Um, and my church family are, they, literally rallied around me from the moment it happened and they haven't stopped since. Um, I have such a great 
immense support system. And I think that's really what helped carry me through the mental block and everything, the physical, um, um, everything that comes along with having the injury. Cause I didn't have to do it alone. Yeah. And I know a lot of people aren't fortunate enough to have that, but I did. And I'm so grateful, you know, so my church family, they've done everything from fundraise to assist me, to cook me food, to ask me if I need them to bring me anywhere. Um, right. Now at this point, they look at me like, what, you need to slow down because what aren't you, you know? <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And so as an assistant minister, like how often do you preach or is it every Sunday or how does that work? So we're actually currently in a transition. Um, my pastor recently retired after serving for 37 years. Um, so I am looked to um, preach typically maybe once a month or sometimes more or depending on what needs to go on if I need to perform a funeral or a wedding or something Um, you know I'm I'm just there to assist and serve so wherever they need me whenever they need me I make myself available that's really that's really cool I must be kind of I don't want to say the word fun because that's not the word I'm looking for but really fulfilling you know what I mean I must be just a very fulfilling part of your life doing that. That sounds really, really beautiful. I love that. I, I bet officiating weddings is particularly nice. <laughs> yeah. is, about, is, when you do a wedding, is that like your favorite thing to do? I mean, for me, that sounds great. Um, yeah. I mean, you always want to, uh, you always get excited when you're joining two people in holy matrimony, right? So. Oh my God. I love that. Oh, <laughs> that's so cool. Okay. I, you know, and I also just want to say one thing. I think for a lot of people after their injuries, they don't really have a church family or, or even a peer support group. And a lot of people try to go at it alone. And, and I'm just here to tell everybody out there, I don't know if you're religious or not, but it's good to find a group, right? Just some people that support you. It's hard to go at an injury like this alone. Don't you think? Yes, for sure. It is. And I know a lot of people that try. And so anyways, I think it's really important for people to hear that. And I love that about you. So, okay. And then also, I know that you've been doing some activity-based therapy, which is awesome at Push to Walk and not enough people get an opportunity to try this. So can you just tell us a little bit about your experience doing that? And um, if you, I know you love it, right? I love it. I love it. I actually came across Push to Walk from word of mouth through the rehab facility that I was at. I was at Kessler Rehabilitation Center in um, New Jersey, and cool. they told me about Push to Walk, which is also in Franklin Lakes, New Jersey, um, nice. because New York doesn't have many outpatient facilities that are geared to spinal cord injuries. Um, yeah. They don't have any for the most part. All of them are really connected to a hospital setting. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and they go by insurance or you have to pay out of pocket. And my insurance personally only pays for 12 sessions a year. So that's about once a month. Um, so, yes, I attended, started attending Push to Walk in Ooh. April of 2018 and Ooh. haven't turned back since. They're an awesome facility, all of the equipment. <laughs> to people with mobility issues yeah. um, from the moment you step in you're out of your chair so you're either walking or crawling or in a tilt table or an FES bike or something of the sort um, they push us I did my first marathon with push to walk what? marathon that was oh, what they went to Disney World fun yeah cool and I also sit on the board of executives there now, board of trustees there. I, that's amazing. You know, what kind of, as of going there since 2018, can you tell us what kind of recovery you've seen at all? I mean, I know you've probably gotten stronger in general, but. 
Yeah, so I've definitely gotten stronger. Upper body, uh, my lower extremities. Um, I haven't astrophied as much. Um, cool. You know, my muscles are working. I'm able to move my toes um, on my feet, which is amazing. Wow, so really? Down there from the highest to the lowest part. We just got to get the in-between going. Uh, uh, wow. But- do you ever do the, do they do the uh, gate training there? Are you able to do that? Yes. Yes, we do that. Um, we do um, vibration therapy. Uh, yep, we walk on the rifting and different things like that. So, yeah, they have everything. It's the standing bars. Yeah. So, are you able to stand at all on your own, or only with the help of a therapist? Or, um, I'm if my knees are locked up. So I have like a device uh, which is actually used just as a transfer device for people to um, usually for elderly. Um, mm. You stand on it and it swivels. Yeah put them there but I'm actually able to lift myself up and stand actively by myself oh yeah as opposed to having a standing frame I use that cool that's great you know for long-term bone health that's so good you can do that that's so great I'm I'm kind of in shock that you did a marathon too isn't that like 24 miles in a push chair right Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gosh, that's a lot you should do the New York marathon too since you're right there that how come you didn't do that one yeah, uh, New York is so hilly. It's a little scary for me. <laughs> That's a whole lot of training, but you know, I, I went, I don't count myself out. So we'll see. Heck yeah. you got plenty of time to do that. That's really, that's That's awesome. I love that. So, okay. And so we're all, almost near the end of my barrage of questions for you. Thanks so much. You're doing awesome. But, you know, I know that you're kind of an expert at adversity and just kind of, well, seems you are, I would think you are after five years, what kind of advice would you give to someone that's newly injured listening to this podcast? Just kind of, you know, okay. How, how, how do you overcome? This is like a really big question, but just some, you know, tidbit of advice on what, what you would give some advice to somebody. Anyone newly injured or coming to terms with their body in general, whether mm-hmm. it's a, a degenerative d- disease that you're, you're, that's really just hitting you, I would say to just take your time, right? Mm-hmm. Allow yourself to comprehend and realize the reality of what's about to happen because your life is going to change. However, it doesn't have to change for the worse, right? Make sure that you get a group even if it's just one friend, someone who can relate to what you're going through, because it really helps in terms of mental health. If you need a therapist, get a therapist. I myself went through therapy and it was the best decision that I made because there are some things you have to work through when going through situations like this, because at the end of the day, whether you're born with it or you are injured, it's a traumatic experience, especially when you're used to a certain way of living. However, don't count yourself out. I say all the time, I'm standing whether my posture is sitting or not, right? I love that. You know, I realized that every day I'm living out my why. There's a reason I'm here. There's a reason I'm alive. So I'm I'm constantly in pursuit of figuring that reason out. Um, So I don't count myself out of anything. I integrate myself amongst able bodies in any situation. I don't care if I get the stairs. I don't care if they uh, underestimate me. I'm going to prove them wrong, right? So, I mean, not everyone is as confident and you don't have to be so showy or you don't have to be so boisterous in certain situations, but you do have to put yourself out there to gain your own confidence for yourself, not for anyone else for yourself. So I would just encourage anybody, uh, anyone to not limit yourself, 
and wake up each day being intentional that that day you are going to live. Wow. I don't think I've had anyone on my podcast that said it as good as you just did. That's beautiful. Wow. That's so good, man. Well, I don't know. I, I don't think we can do anything better than that. Before I let you go, yeah. I, I, I know you're working on your MBA and your Miss Wheelchair in New York. You're constantly busy. <laughs> can you just tell us quickly what your MBA working on is? And then I'll tell us a little bit about Miss Wheelchair New York and I'll let you go. <laughs> Yes, I'm actually, I'm a student at Rutgers University for my MBA in strategic leadership. Uh, And I honestly just, I didn't need it for any particular reason, but I did know that I plan to be an entrepreneur in the future. Um, And I want to be able to have those essential tools under my belt so that I can run a potential company. Not that you need it. You know, plenty of people don't have an MBA or a, a professional degree to run these things. However, I felt like I would just make me more marketable in terms of networks and things like that in order to get it. And yes, I am Miss Wiltshire, New York, USA. <laughs> That's a great networking opportunity, don't you think? As well as advocacy, of course. For sure. Yes. It's an amazing opportunity, amazing experience. Um, it's it's given by the Dane Foundation, which is a wonderful foundation. Um, so we're excited. The Nationals will be held in Ohio this coming okay. July. Um, mm-hmm. So my fundraising and my platform mm-hmm. that I'm working on is I just want to encourage the youth in their formative years to know that, you know, include me, don't exclude me, right? Mm-hmm. You should be trying to um, teach our youth that there are people different out there, right? That have disabilities and that dis- disabled is not a bad word, right? That we are here and we can do everything that you're doing, you know? So I just wanna basically just be an advocate and just spread the good news about us with disabilities that we're here and we're here to stay. And there's nothing- oh, I love that. You know, that's a great platform. I love that. So many um, kids just aren't exposed or understand enough about disability, despite that one speaker that comes in maybe once in their elementary school years. So I, I think more needs to be done in that world. So that's a great platform. I love it. Thank you. Yeah. So thank you again for being on our little corner of the web over here. You're amazing. And I, I hope you win Miss Wheelchair America because you'd be a fantastic Miss Wheelchair America. And I'm not just saying that. You'd be amazing. So I hope you win. <laughs> you are welcome. And I will let you go. I know you're probably very busy out there in New York, but I want, I'll thanks, thanks again. And I'll just talk to you later. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. Goodbye, everyone. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Bianca. Have a great weekend. See you later. Bye. Okay, bye.